Good morning, Augusto. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. So for all those joining us, good morning as well. Welcome to another episode of Hacker Bio. This is the podcast where we talk about the developers, the technologists, and the people behind the technology and understand a little bit more about what their motivations are and what they do and uh, share a little bit of those lessons and those experiences with the rest of the community. Uh, so Augusto, uh, welcome to the episode. Would love for you to give us a quick intro about yourself and what do you do? At the moment, I'm a solutions principal at Slalom Consulting, which is a large consulting firm in the U.S., and they've been making to the Canadian market in the last two years. I help medium-sized clients implement DevOps, agile development, best practices, architect solutions in the cloud. I've been doing this, I guess I've been in the market almost 17 years, starting as a simple support person, and I've... (laughs) flew through a lot of uh, jobs throughout so and uh, I love what I do it's, it's kind of like uh, I'm passionate about it so I do some public speaking advocate for the DevOps community as well um, yeah cool so what is a solution principle well I guess I'm here a month and a half I'm still trying to figure out that but reality is like you listen to people's problems and come up with solutions most important we're looking to find cloud native solutions some of these clients can be like a 180 year old company that you know it's very old-fashioned and you're trying to implement everything from a good development workflow to a good cloud and native application and essentially address their customer concerns other times you're doing things like looking at their team and advise them in skills analysis. It's it's quite broad, actually. I've been here not long, a month and a half, and uh, I've had a chance to do quite a few different things. Yeah. Very cool. So it sounds like it's a very broad kind of umbrella of enablement type functions for technology and technologists. So what motivates you to do that? Why do you want to spend your time doing that and helping others and trying to come up with answers instead of, let's say, working on your own solution or building a product or something like that? Well, I guess personally, I build products. I've gone through the industry quite a bit. Like two years ago, for example, I guess four to two years ago, I was building uh, Show Me, like the video OTT service. And it was very fun, like a great team building. We created a, a great product, had good success. So I've done a few things. And at this point in my career, I decided that I wanted to be able to switch and get new challenges in like a frequent basis, you can say. it. It's fun because you really are helping different industries. You're helping different challenges. Some of them, maybe I've done it and they're simpler. Some are a bit harder and you have to apply yourself a bit more and it depends each client each person you deal with are a different level in their life cycle and where they are Uh, some are very mature some are less mature you're trying to get them get to the next level essentially and deliver business value that's cool there's always something rewarding in helping people uh, to your point like get to the next level and mature there so how did you get into this like how did you get into programming how do you get into technology what was your journey like do you wake up one morning and said i feel like doing some computer software or how did that look like for you it's an interesting story I'm an immigrant to Canada. I came about 18 years ago from Angola, Africa, and my brother-in-law was a computer engineer. So ever since I was maybe less than 10 years old, I looked up to him. I was in love with what he did. 
it was in the older time, so I knew what I wanted to do at that age. So I was in a socialist country, for example, to get a computer and to get access to those things was really hard. A bit because of him, I had access to those things, so I was learning and doing simple things on my own and learning a bit programming and using, for example, add a calculator that is basic programming and using it for my school work in high school. And then coming to Canada, I was young, a bit of experience, but I still had to start from scratch. So you had to get whatever job you get because you have to gain the experience. To some extent, I can say I was lucky always to be in the right place at the right time. Maybe um, also get good mentors along the way that made me grow my career quite rapidly, I must say. And I think the biggest thing I would say is that you have to be an avid learner to go live. And that's probably, I would say, my biggest advice I can give someone because I love to learn. I'm always learning every day. I'm trying to learn something. So that allowed me to learn things across functions. I started infrastructure, but I can do development. I can do testing. I understand a lot of those functions. I'm a certified Scrum Master. I could like manage a team or implement Agile. And um, it's part of me being a challenging and wanting to learn. So if we focus on the topic of the thing, which is career, that would be my number one advice. Don't think you're going to school, coming out and not learning anything because to get into a software industry, you're learning every single day <laughs> or else you're going Absolutely. to be stuck. <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. I mean, even back to your kind of your day to day life and you know, being in the consulting type of business, there's a lot of learning in that too, right? Yeah. Just because you're the consultant brought in doesn't mean you're the expert in everything you're out there. Oh, so you have to spend a lot of your time learning in order to help others as well. Definitely. And that's what people realize. Sometimes it doesn't mean I know everything. Sometimes you get posed into challenges that is like, wow, this is different. So let me do some research. Let me try a few things. And then so you can best advise the customer for sure. Yeah. One thing I always said whenever I'm interviewing people or hiring people is there's only two real requirements for being a software developer or being a technologist in general, the ability to learn and the willingness to learn. Everything else doesn't matter because you yeah. can just pick it up and figure it out. It's true. And you can see that sometimes, you know, as you invest in new co-ops and kids coming out of school, sometimes you can see through the attitude, some of those come willing and open to learn and they often will do better than seasoned veterans. Because the seasoned veterans is like, yeah, I've done that. You know, I know the way is that way. While the younger is willing to say, you give them a sentence and he kind of goes and discovers this fancy new way. Oh my God, that's amazing. You know, it's all about the learning experience. And uh, yeah, for sure. I can't stress enough the career of a software developer or a technologist is essentially based on learning. Yeah. So... Tell me more about how you find the difference between working on products and building you know, a product for the company that you work for versus being in the mode of helping others build their own products and you know, being in that consulting type of role. What are the main kind of skills that you leverage in that world versus this one? And you know, going back to the topic of learning and topic of you know, uh, industry, are those things vastly different or did one help you lead to the other in terms of being able to apply those skills? Honestly, to some extent, so far, I'm new to consulting, I guess. I've been building products for most of my career, so I'm new to consulting. I don't see a difference. Like, the reality is, I think you have to have both experiences because you tap into those both experiences. The skills are the same. 
like for someone, once you get to solution architecture or solution, you are essentially selling ideas. You are selling yourself. You're selling your idea. You are proving that this is the right path because there's always a million paths. And let's face it, sometimes we make decisions that's not the right path and we have to be comfortable with failure. To me, like product, you're very focused on you're very focused on the product and single aspects of the product. Uh, billing, for example, if you're doing a product that bills directly your customers or the video player or whatever aspect of the product you're doing in that day or that quarter that you decided that's your thing. And as consulting, you're focusing on the particular aspects of delivering good value to your customer and solving their problems in a more efficient way. It's still it's still focus on a problem. It just it's more broad and you're more generalistic in that sense. Um, yeah. So you spend a lot of your time in your past life on you know infrastructure operation. You know yeah, like you led site reliability in previous roles. A lot of people you know who are in the software industry they don't necessarily touch on any of these topics, at least not deeply. And especially when we're seeing, you know, people going into code schools or, you know, uh, even computer science courses, you know, people learn about programming, people learn about, uh, you know, a little bit of networking, or if you're not going to computer science universities, you're just learning about how to use a certain framework, perhaps, mm -hmm. and how to build certain things on the web. What was your journey of learning and getting into those kind of like deep system level design and operations around them? And like, you know, what do you think the main focus is in terms of like when we talk about DevOps, when we talk about systems and our infrastructure and architecture, is there a line between all of these things? Is there a need to be a line or is it more of a fluid in kind of using the skill sets in different contexts? There used to be a line in the olden days, but that's old IT. That's old technology. There should not be a line. There should be a mentality. And if you look at DevOps, there's the culture, the mentality, how you operate. Then you look at SRE and there's a bit more prescriptive DevOps, how you look at things from a reliability perspective. They're both doing very good, similar concepts. They're both looking at automation and using software development in all aspects of the technology. Used to be that developers used to develop, then they would dump the code into some operations guy that has to operate. I guess I started in that world running software for developers and then I learned to develop or move into more developing, testing and all those areas. And part of what drove me to do this was working very closely with developers and learning with them and seeing what worked, what didn't work and wanting to do better, to improve reliability, improve uptime. To me, one of the key concepts of DevOps is transparency. Oh, I crashed a server or I wiped out a server and you hide from someone. Why do you have to hide anything? Like, why are we not fully transparent to the successes or mistakes we make? And if there were challenges, everyone helps. So I think the wall should not exist. It's like put yourself in the shoes of the operator, for example. So if you're a developer that can think, oh, my application cannot crash, or if it crashes, I'm going to deal with it. Then if I am uh, an operator that notices something and it doesn't tell the developer, hey, maybe, you know, your code seems to error out in this area all the time. Can you do something to improve the resilience on it? So let's collaborate on a better architecture. That's key. Like you need to be transparent. You need to be open to experimenting with other areas. It doesn't matter. Today I'm a software developer. Tomorrow I have to run some functional testing or 
to launch some servers. The world is at a blind here. It's more about you being willing to put yourself in the shoes of that function, of that role that you're playing at that moment. If you go back and you think of an agile team, which is what we mostly were supposed to operate now, in Agile, you take whatever role you need to give business value at that day or that sprint. If you're not willing to do that, if you are like, I'm the Mr. Software Developer or I'm the tester and I can't do one or the other, or then, of course, there's always room for those kinds of people. But the careers of a software developer, the careers in technology require you to blend around those roles. To me, that's key is transparency is okay to fail. It's okay to crash and burn. Learn from the lesson. Don't crash and burn again, I guess, uh, on that similar pattern. Life gives you experiences and you, you have to learn how you reach to that point and be able to self-analyze. If you go back to a personal level outside of software, but applies to software, if you fail miserable at something, you have to be willing to step back and self-analyze, how did I end up here? How could I have done better? Oh, that person screwed me up, fine. There are mean people in the world and do nasty things to you, but how could you have contributed to it? And how could you have been different, you know? Um, Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting when you talk about the culture there. It sounds to me like the skill sets are interchangeable, but there's a different knowledge kind of focus, right? So in order for you to be dedicated at least to infrastructure and operational usage or operational needs at the company, you have a different knowledge set than, let's say, somebody who's building your web application or your mobile application. But the skill set is the same. The same technology today, it's programming at the core level. Uh, we're no longer talking about hardcore networking and kind of uh, systems and IT of the past. Like you said, there's the aspect of empathy of the work, right? It's no longer somebody handing things over the wall and saying, now you deploy that, you deal with it. There's an aspect of empathy in terms of understanding each other's worlds and understanding you know everybody's need across the technology ecosystem now how does that translate in terms of day-to-day where like if somebody's getting into the industry today let's say and they're looking at what careers are available and where they're best suited to start their career would you suggest somebody should start in kind of the DevOps and kind of infrastructure world or should they start as a developer and then make their way into the infrastructure world like I see a lot of people do that part of the journey of starting from building applications and then they slowly kind of gravitate towards knowledge building around infrastructure and systems is that the only successful path to do that? Or do you think there's a successful path for somebody joining in the industry and just going straight into learning about operations and systems and the DevOps kind of uh, path? It is the opportunity you get. And then there is what you are inclined to do. Are you an introverted? Are you an extroverted? Are you both? Because some jobs require you to be speaking more and you're more focused on coding. I guess both of them have those aspects. I think part of the problem that you see between what is an SRA engineer, what is a DevOps engineer versus what is a software engineer or a software tester, like a quality engineer, that we're all coding. So ultimately, we're all coding in different ways. The reality is in this today's world, being a software engineer, it's a simpler thing to explain. You get a problem, you break them down into smaller pieces, then you're going to use some sort of language or framework that wraps a language to develop a solution, and then you're going to deploy somewhere. That sounds so simpler, but it's not. There's quite a few aspects to it. So, so like. 
There's no one path to all. I think you can start in software engineering. In fact, I've seen people starting in different ways. Like uh, I was at Indigo very recently and I had a junior engineer that had started as a quality engineer and then moved to DevOps and it was amazing. He was a good software developer <laughs> and he did very well for me. So it's there's not one path. It's one is the opportunity. I guess my advice to someone starting, just get it in. Doesn't matter what position. As long as you're doing, if you coding is what you want to do, get it in. Any position is good. And then work your way to what the position that you're going to love. Uh, I think to some extent, you do have to pay a bit of your dues to get into the industry. And so your first job may not be your perfect job like it may not be the best but you have to make your way in somehow even though it's a it's pretty easy to get in we're in lucky because it's such a high demand industry but it's, it's still at the same time hard if you have zero experience so whatever it is get in as a tester uh just i guess if you're a tester make sure you're not doing manual test <laughs> testing but something that is exercising those skills coding and uh, the software development life cycle and you are learning skills around that devops software development it doesn't matter and while inside be curious talk to people engage people find good mentors that would be a good advice i would give someone coming out of school it's not all glamorous, like, you know, spending hours looking at a screen developing code is tedious sometimes, but the fun in it is resolving really complex problems. To me, that's fun. I don't know, like, but then resolving problems is something I'm good at it. Yeah, you have to be a certain kind of personality, I guess. I'm glad you mentioned mentors because I was going to ask about that next. I have two questions about mentor. The first one is what was the some of the best mentors you've had and what made them so special? Oh, good question. I had a lot of good mentors, I think, but in all scopes of not just in technology, some of my best mentors were actually outside of technology. Like I remember when I made it to Torstar and uh, my boss was the CFO and it was amazing because it taught me to look at problems outside of from a technology lens. And at the same time, it also allowed me to look at problems. Sometimes, oh, we are looking at problems from lenses that are wrong. Like an example, oh, we're looking at the cost only. We only have this certain amount of money. Uh, well, I think you have to pick a solution that is the best for your problem. And you rank it one, two, three, you know, the top three solutions. Then you negotiate the money that tends to resolve itself. You focus on the money and pick the wrong solutions, then you spend more time fixing or not working for the business, you fixing it because you came to try to resolve a problem with the wrong data or no data at all. You see that so much, like people don't have all the points that you need to resolve. So back to mentoring, I had mentors that taught me a lot about caring for people and being human and really caring. Like if you think of you growing your career, you start as a junior, you grow to an engineer, you go to a senior architect and you keep growing at some point, team lead, manager, etc., etc. Why are you growing? Because you do very well in technology. There's other paths, but you implement good technology, you figure out stuff on your own. Then suddenly you have to mentor and manage people and no one teaches you those skills. I like to say this very often. I was a terrible manager when I started and I did a lot of mistakes and I guess I still do them, but learn a few things along the way. And honestly, at the end of the day, the project doesn't matter. If you make your team happy, if you 
care for them and they see that you genuinely care for them and you're doing the best for them, the project will deliver. So other mentors I had through life were just, you know, people that either are giving you a path to what you want to strive for or help you think that know you enough to say, hey, Augusto, I can see you're struggling with this. What else? Like, just make you think for yourself. Some people are micromanagers. Some people give you the solutions. And that's probably not a good mentor. A good mentor is someone that helps you think, that helps you through a problem on your own. That's really important in a mentor. A good mentor helps you be the best of yourself. And I was lucky enough to have quite a few of those through life. Sometimes in an expect way, sometimes even people that I didn't have good relationships at the beginning, I meet them on another job and they become a mentor. And so in the topic of mentoring and the topic of other things, the reality is you have to be very careful that you you don't take things too personal. You actually see things for what they are, for the situation you were at the time. Maybe the culture of that company was very terrible, which made you guys fight more. But then put it in a different situation, that guy could be the best mentor ever. So be careful, young kids, how you hate people, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the other side of the mentorship, obviously, you became a leader in the businesses that you were part of and the industry. And, you know, you're definitely helping building teams and building the next level of talent. So what are some of the stories you can share with us from your role as a mentor to help others that you think are worth kind of sharing? And like one of the tactics or techniques that you've used to help others? I did a talk at DevOps Days, I think two years ago, about how Show Me was open as a company for two years. And um, we had, I call it a two-year, the very bad and very good, like almost equally separated by years. And as I look through what happened in my talk, and it's funny enough, in the last couple of months, I read a book on, uh, I forgot the name, but essentially was on something that Intel invented and Google applies and a bunch of startups do it. It's called OKRs, Objective Key Results. And what I noticed is midway through as management, senior management team, we implemented OKRs in our own way, even though we didn't call it. So I think the best thing you can do for a team is very clear objectives to what we're going to do. Don't flip-flop in between what what we're trying to do. And if you think of Agile and Scrum specifically and why it works is because we have a team, a small team of people contributing to one very specific measurable goal. Um, and so if you extrapolate that to a higher level and there's middle management, upper management, and you want your team to succeed as upper management, give them very specific objectives to do. Could be some very like up in the sky that split into more like OKRs do. But what that does is the team knows what to do. One of the biggest challenges we have in the industry at the moment is we often have, you know, pulled in so many different directions. And it is hard. Then you see teams fail and fail and fail. So as a mentor, you're number one job is to provide clarity and so that's what i try and if you have teams flipping here today oh today you're doing a tomorrow you're doing b oh but c happened so scrap all base c and in three days you go the time ranges change provide clarity that's your role your role as a mentor is to provide 
clarity, then to provide guidance, and then to empower the teams to make decisions. That's the, I would say, it goes back to transparency. If you're transparent to what you really, really want, and then you say to the teams, well, here is what I really, really want. Here is your box that you can operate in. Don't come, well, you could come here, but if you're coming to this area, just ask, like, circulate that like for an example let's say that you have a development process that works really well for your entire team so you maybe you do git flow and then you go through a ci and you have and deploy like at the end you don't maybe you do not doing continuous deployment then a team wants to do continuous deployment and just is rather than have their doing you know feature flags and just deploy and feature flag well yeah, then maybe that's outside the flag. So let's talk about it. Let's experiment with that. I give clarity. I give the box is probably not the right. I can't come up with the word right now, but essentially you tell their operators motors what they can do and not do. Then let them be creative. Let them do whatever they have to do to deliver on number one. And I strongly believe the same applies to any business. Doesn't matter if you're a bank and you have to keep people's money safe. The same thing applies to everywhere. If you are going to large business and you see all decision making has to go up to the top. And that's just wrong. To some extent, our job as leaders, as mentors, is to micro part those things into teams and let the teams make mistakes and successes and that's when teams become like highly functional and etc yeah that's great advice mm -hmm. there's so much to unravel on that but i want to talk about something else i want to talk about you know obviously you're saying a good example for people getting into the industry you're talking about some of the journey you've gone through what advice would you give people who are let's say listening in or perhaps have seen you in talks and conferences or see other people who are in this industry and either travel and do conference talks or you know as the technology industry is perhaps labeled as in the media is like you know this is the industry where you get paid a lot of money and you get to change your lifestyle with you know there's obviously the glamour part of it and the media fascination with the tech industry and then there's the reality of the work and the reality of the efforts that go into doing the work so what advice would you give people looking in from the outside and thinking hey maybe i should become a developer maybe i should start my own company in tech and do all these things and become the next mark zuckerberg because the, you know that's the benchmark apparently uh, what would you advise those people in terms of coming into the tech industry yeah i think if you think of mike he didn't set himself to become millionaire that wasn't his objective at all so to me my advice don't come for the money my experience is that money will always come for you if you become the best at your craft if you are the best carpenter or something come for the love of the thing because if you're coming for the money you're not going to do some of the things that you're supposed to do well like learn constantly you're in there for the money you're not applying love to it so you focus on doing what you do well. The money will come. We're lucky, as you said, is an industry that pays very, very well. And that means that very likely when you start, you're already making more money than most other industries, maybe double, maybe not, whatever it is. So if money is your driver, then likely you will not succeed. You will not go far until you can change that mentality. Like if you are looking at things from money perspective, then you are not looking at things from a perspective what is going to give me my personal objective what makes me happy 
I've had like very wonderful high title jobs that I've decided to leave and lost a lot of money because that job wasn't making me happy. Like life is very short. The reality is we're lucky. We are an industry that pays a lot. If that's your driver as a person, fine. As a young person, we're very driven by material things, by money, and that may get you some for a while. Eventually, that is not what will bring you happiness. So if we focus on the career as a new person starting, don't focus on the money. You focus on getting something that is going to teach you a lot, that is going to give you great exposure. You look at Mark, he probably worked like 18-hour days most of his initial career, and he still probably does, is billionaire. But he didn't set himself, hey, I'm going to be a billionaire. He set himself, hey, I'm going to be the best developer that there is. And then, you know, if you are into business and you have a great idea and you open your own startup and you actually make it, that's amazing for you. But if you're not, you're the best solution architect or you're the best DevOps guys or or the best sister, it doesn't matter. Like it is not about the money, but money comes to us luckily in our industry. Um, yeah. Cool. This has been very insightful, very good advice all around. Before we go, is there anything you want to plug or anything you want to highlight to the audience? Any project you're working on you want to share? Uh, yeah, virtually the most of the projects right now I can talk, but my word of advice for new starting to the software industry is just have fun and don't be afraid to move around companies and different industries and find what you love. Ultimately, the reason I grew to what I grew to be and continue to grow is because I love what I do. And sometimes that's technology, sometimes that's people building teams, sometimes is a business problem, but you have to love what you do. That's to me the most important thing. Absolutely. Augusto, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Thank you. This has been uh, very insightful and uh, hope to see you soon. Bye. Thank you.